Hi, Chris Searles here. I am executive editor at allcreation.org, and I am the director at biointegrity.net, which produces all creation. What PASOC is showing us and what Marcus's work is showing us, PASOC's personal experience as well, is that reconnecting to the land life is our best asset for a whole number of non-environmental solutions. My focus in biointegrity is why that's the best asset for environmental solutions. But what these guys can tell you is that this reconnection to nature is healing traumas and helping people grow into greater relationship with the other people around them and the rest of the so-called environment. This reality that we share of this life support system that we have named nature which, by the way, is unique to Earth. Of all the known planets in the universe right now, thousands of planets have been surveyed by NASA. Only one has life on it. I want to say one more thing about all this. One of the things that Pesach and Marcus and myself are finding, which kind of comes out in this interview, is that by re-engaging in a nature-connected life, immersing ourselves in nature as much as possible, we're finding a sense of physical peace and reestablishing physical alignment in our own bodies through stress relief. So every person I know has the need for physical comfort through feeling accepted and connected to the people around them. And the human world tends to make us feel not just emotional, the human world of today anyway, tends to make us feel not just emotionally overwhelmed or abused, but physically uncomfortable and we carry that body. There's a thing of getting into the natural world and participating with it, observing and enjoying it that allows you to relax and become more open. Because that's what this world is, this natural world. It's not a place of defensiveness, tyranny, the narratives and fear. It is a place of truth and reality. All right, everybody, welcome. What we wanna do in this event with you here is provide an introduction to some revolutionary ideas this idea of reconnecting to nature being more beneficial than just growing food and just saving the planet, so to speak. That is about accessing our positive potential as human beings through reconnection to nature. And in fact, Marcus's work really shows us this experience is generating deep healing and space for compassion and growing self-confidence and, and moving people into a better state. So, okay. There's so many stories and I can I can point to others as well. So many stories, these myths in the Jewish tradition where the connection with the divine happens outside. And we talk about these myths as if that was something that happened in ancient times. As if it used to mean something. Right, and now we don't do that, right? Now we just talk about it. And so the opportunity that I'm presenting, the horizon that I think this approach brings is what could it mean to meld our spiritual traditions and the stories, the opportunities, the possibilities that they present to actually being outside. If I know that this happened to my ancestors, to the myths in my tradition, could I potentially also be able to experience divinity just because I get out there because I lech lecha. And, you know, in my experience, yes. In my experience, it really did require first just being outside, spending more time, you know, on my parents' balcony as a, 
as a teenager and through the years on, on my own balcony or just wandering in the forest, just getting out there. And that's where the divinity happens in my experience, much more than either reading or being under a roof. Although it can happen there, the Vekut can happen anywhere where we let the divine in, but the wilderness, and I'd be curious to hear how others on this call experience that too, but the wilderness, it makes it, I think, really accessible. Yeah, beautiful. Marcus, if you want to jump in, I mean, I have a, a bridge over, but that's really a great bridge to this idea that there are non-environmental benefits to uh, connecting to the other life on the lands around us and the, and the spirituality of our ecosystems. Do you want to comment, Marcus? Well, I think it's all a part of it. I think it's, it's all one thing, right? So I think everything this way is one thing. And it's interesting. So one of the most impactful people in my life was a man, uh, he's still alive, he's in Israel right now. His name is Avri Ziv. And uh, he owned a business here, selling and designing emergency lighting systems. And uh, Avri pretty much taught me how to take myself seriously. And uh, one thing he installed in me is, like you were just saying, you know, the stories, I grew up in a very religious household. And I think over the years, I fi started finding my own answers, like you say, outside amongst people and plants and underneath the sky. And um, the one thing he told me was, you know, any word uh, written, let's consider um, the word of God is an instruction menu for how to live, how to be a better version of yourself. It doesn't have to be literal. The house I grew up in, I think in many ways people took it literally uh, because it's just a Western thing. You, you know, you do all the sin on the during the week and then Sunday you're forgiven for it or something, you know. Um, whereas and there's another old man that lives across the street from here, and his name is Dean. He's an old Vietnam War vet, and he's um like uh it's like a father to me. And he's Muslim, but he told me that uh, sin has a source, the word itself. Before it was sin, he says, all it was is a scenario. Anything you can possibly imagine is a sin. And I really kind of, he threw me off a little bit. You know, I have like pretty crazy conversations, just being in gardens and in community and walking around in this intergenerational and cultural mix of things. I've created like uh, some form of wisdom in me, but I always keep those things they tell me like very close. And I, I walk alone in nature, you know, really processing what they mean. You know, they were here before me. They must know something. So it's interesting. And you have like such a deep history. There are people that have left language and uh, information about generations of your people. And I find that to be rich because I started learning about mine and I'm like, whoa, this is why I'm kind of weird. And, you know, like a little more, I have a thing about me that's not average. Okay. And I think it's because of knowledge itself and the nothingness that I 
know I am. And I, I find that to be powerful. And all the disadvantage and things that we look at, I find to be a distraction because all those disadvantages has become my absolute advantage. The adversity. Living in North Minneapolis, the, the sort of social issues, the, the- I mean, living in America as a black man in my skin. Thank you. Um, I serve this country. I'm a decorated war vet. I've been home since my mom had a stroke. I got home and I really wanted to show her something else, you know, than working three, four jobs and surviving. Most people in my community are constantly in a fight or flight and they're constantly surviving, whether they have to move because they can afford the cost of living in places they've been living their whole lives or they're trying to survive from organ failure due to the amount of things they're consuming or they're losing the size of their space because of the things they're consuming physically. So like they're buying the furniture before the house and the cars and the fancy name brand and the things. And all that doesn't mean anything. I really love being a creative because everything I have has real value. I really appreciate everything I have. My life has been very blessed this way. And um, yeah, I, I would love to talk to you more about your studies because this is like interesting. I tend to absorb information from a lot of people. And when you were talking just now, you reminded me of Avery just because uh, he was probably one of the most gentle human beings I've ever met at the same time, the most direct and honest. One thing he told me is stop apologizing. Why do you apologize all the time? Told him, I don't know, because I, you know, I'm sorry I got in your way. I was in your way. And his thing is like, well, if you keep apologizing for something that petty, what happens when you really mean it? I'm not going to believe you. That sat with me for the rest of my life. The best gift anyone could ever give me is to be honest and be direct with me. I really value simple things like that, you know. I want to jump in because uh, I think I can tie that exceptionally important point to the conversation you and I were having, Marcus, on the phone an hour ago. Mm. Mm. In a sense, one of your main themes is you're talking about your work with youth. It's always about being honest. Um, well, yeah, it's based on trust, too. You know, like they trust me to be of direction. I think nowadays people are taking that phrase, you know, get down to their level and meet them where they are a little bit too literally because I want my teachers to know something. There's so much respect in this honesty you're talking about uh, for yourself, yeah. the, the person you're trying to communicate with. It's about building, like you said earlier. About, about building. Is, is They look at me for direction or like as, you know, uh, you know, a place of safety. It's a very spiritual thing for us, you know, like I try to take away the trauma that's been installed in us and we create these spaces as safe spaces. They're tools. You know, farms, gardens. Yeah, you mean the farms and the gardens are the safe spaces. Yes. They're all tools in inner cities for me and the children that run around with me. I want them to come there. I want them to be free to fail without feeling like the world is ending. I want them to be able to talk to me like I'm their equal because I'm literally looking for them to take my job because I'm not married to it. 
And I want to, I want them to be able to go around the world and have conversations with like-minded people about the experiences they had learning life, learn skills in places like North Minneapolis in their nothingness, not based on what they pay for. Now this is starting to become more transactional. What, I'm, what I've been doing on the ground seems like everyone is looking for a job and things like that. But what they don't realize is what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get us all to lift so we don't need a job. Um, there's That's the point yeah, of nature. And, and give people, listeners, a little more context. What we were talking about earlier also was this idea that you and I and probably Pesach sort of oh. see this visceral value. We seek meaning and we seek these real connections. And so... You know, this is what I hear you talking about in a way. It's like, that's all here, rich in the garden. Nature is abundance. There's enough room and space for everybody. And it's funny that we to think that there are people that try to control how much you have access to or who is allowed and who isn't, you know, in the Minnesota you know, I forgot the number of farmers there are in Minnesota, but how many of them are black? And why aren't there that many black farmers, you know, and things like that. But like I was telling you before, the reason why I feel like I'm able to be a part instead of aim to control or be the boss or whatever is literally because of the creative part of me. I, I come from a place where I've always been a part of rhythm or harmony. When I was sad, I was singing. When I was happy, I was singing. When I'm sitting on the phone with you, I'm sitting with a Gitanelli. There's a banjo somewhere and uh, other things. It's always been that way for me. So any process I'm invited into, I'm listening and I hear it. And, and it's not because I'm the best musician. It's because I'm listening and I'm willing. So the best things come out of the coalition of the willing this way and the process, the end result is to get to the end on the same frequency. And I feel like that's what we're lacking when we take, I was telling you earlier that the artist mind and spirit is the same as an indigenous or village concept to me, just because what, what was the scenario I, I used? I was like, well, a guy digging a well in a village doesn't divide up the jobs for who brings the shovel and who pours the water or who's like making the food. Everyone jumps in. Some people make the food, some people set the table, some people pour your water, but the end result is we hit that aquifer and we have water. And the other thing you were saying was that big picture is the main idea here. Everyone's part of the same big picture. That is what's happening yeah. in this teshuva. I'm going to interrupt you, Marcus, and ask Pesach to jump in and talk some more. I mean, again, Marcus, you're so evolved in your ability to articulate where this takes people and how it helps people. So I want to come back to you again in a second and hear Pesach talk a little bit about that emotional experience in Gaza Strip and the sort of compassion that came through this reconnection to the land in a new way. And we're, we're really now, I, I'll say one more thing. We're, we're, we're definitely deeply in part two. We, we transitioned well into that uh, almost exactly on time. Um, but we're just flowing. We're flowing, but I, I'm calling this uh, part two for the listeners. This is the power of reconnection. So Pesach had a reconnection, and uh, one of the um, stories he tells, personal stories he tells in this autoethnography essay is about how he went into Gaza Strip as a Jew 
and basically said, I'm sorry, I love you. And, you know, I, <laughs> I'll let you take it from there. Thanks, Chris. Um, I, there was something that I heard you say a few minutes ago, Marcus, that I want to respond to. Um, before I do that, I just want to clarify, I was in the West Bank, not Gaza Strip. And I just mm. clarify that because those territories are very different. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm not um, going to get into it because I'm not an expert there. Um, but the West Bank is um, an occupied territory fairly close to um, also the Palestinian territory of uh, East East Jerusalem. And, um, and I had a, an awakening end of my senior year in college, which I, I talk about in the article. And I just realized that I needed to contribute in that land and do something and, and do something with land. And, and I didn't know exactly what that would look like. But what I want to respond about that you said earlier, Marcus, was this concept of, of sin. And I think that so many of us don't really relate to it. Um, it feels very, um, it's very judgy, right? It's very make wrong. And I grew up as a Jewish kid hearing that word, but as a teacher of Jewish youth, I would always explain to them that the better translation for the, the Hebrew word, which is usually translated as sin is chet. And really what it means is missing the mark. Mm -hmm. And the solution to missing the mark that I'm talking about in this article is teshuva is returning, right? If I'm trying to be right there, and I go here, all I got to do is come back, right? right? And so I'm, I'm hearing that in what you're saying in, in working with youth as a guide and helping them not to feel necessarily feel bad about missing the mark, but it's just like, just, just learn how to, how to come back, yes. right? And, um, and I appreciate that, like, don't apologize for everything because sometimes you really need to and and in in the jewish tradition and around this holiday of yom kippur where you really see this word teshuva there is an emphasis on um on apologizing on repentance on making amends and so i i do think that that's that that's a, an, an important component sometimes and and so you know that's what you were referring to chris was i was trying to discover with this burden that I carried around Israel's occupation of Palestinian territories, how could I, in my little way, feel like I was making amends? And for me, just in the, the own little way that I could, oh, I can help to water these plants on this Palestinian farm, right? There's all kinds of um, actions by Israeli settlers and military of cutting down plants in Palestinian lands, which, by the way, both goes against, and I talk about this, both goes against Israeli law and Jewish religious law, but it's a pretty effective... and destructive for, yeah, all the wrong... Pretty effective te technique of colonization. And so for me to just be able to, to tend to these um, olive trees was huge. And I remembered this mantra that I learned from a book. It's a Hawaiian practice, Ho'oponopono. And the way I learned it is simply, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And so again, that's, that's a way when I've taught Jewish youth, how do we do teshuva? How do we, you know, miss the mark and, and come back? You know, that's, that's a real simple 
simple way. The other thing I just want to share quickly, I do in, in addition to having a Jewish practice, I have a, a Muslim practice, a Buddhist and yoga practice. I'm pretty interfaith myself. And I happened to be at the mosque last Friday for, for Juma. And as I'm leaving the mosque, I see that the building right next to it, it's a little, little mosque, um, the historic West side in, in Vegas, a uh, historically black community. There's a building next to it and there's this beautiful tree. And at the roots of the tree is all this trash. I'm like, man, we just got done praying. And then I'm looking and there's all this trash under the tree. And I admit, I didn't do anything. I just got in my car and left, right? But it just occurs to me that one thing we can do if we are expressing care for, for God's creation, for the holiness of the earth, you know, I don't have to get mad at anybody. I don't have to nothing, but I could just go and pick up that trash, right? I could just do make that amends, do that teshuva just in the, in the little way. And it doesn't have to be like going across the world and, you know, trying to make a difference on some with some other people's existence it could just be in you know it doesn't have to little, be very hard at all right yeah so yeah. i just you know that's and and so i'm i'm hearing that again marcus with with your teaching of youth with with gardening it's like just such a great opportunity to to coach or guide around like how do you get get back on it's track everything it's, it's it's literally medicine and uh when you talk about that tree you know, the biggest part of my summer is literally picking up our environment. So we got to prep spaces and create. So like I just give the lecture on this where I was talking about healthy environments and it's like everyone feels like they're entitled to one in America. But what they don't understand is this is nature and in nature you have to create a healthy environment. That's why we have predators and prey and things in the dark lurking and things in the light. We gotta create an environment to be a part of those things. And I tell people like, what if you planted all these watermelons and someone come and smash them? What, don't you know that make you angry? It's like, well, no, we just plant them back. And if I find out who did it, I give them an opportunity to give back. So maybe they put it back. This is all a part of programming. There's no need for reaction, but there's something you said that was like, um, it resonated with me and it was about, you know, reconciling and returning. So this is a problem we've been having here in America for the longest. This idea of white and black, only in America do we have this duality, right, wrong, better, worse, winner, loser, white, black. And one thing I know about my community is that there's a very little choice, trust because of the historic narrative when it comes to like institutions, when it comes to dominant perspective and white supremacy and how it just predatory things just kind of take over the entire existence of people that look like me. I mean, they're every day, they're moving. And I think that's a mental, I mean, that's the impact of slavery in this country and what happened to black people in this country was still happening to black people in this country. And I have these conversations with people around culture building, right? Which has really, it's not really focused on the white and black part. It's just really us, you know, comes from the word uni, community means one, only from one can come two, right? And uh, we talk about reconciliation. 
And uh, people talk about reparations and all these things. And to tell you the truth, you know, while Black people will love an opportunity to catch up economically in this country or have opportunities to actually create their own possibilities, all they really need is to be protected and for people to acknowledge that the impact of systematic oppression in this country is real. It's not equal to anything. It's not equal to anything in this country. I don't understand. So when we talk about reconciliation and self-correct, and this is how I got to nature, is because I decided that I didn't need that. You know, I got tired of arguing that, is this really happening to me? Am I like a well-decorated person being thrown on the ground on my face right now? with no apologies afterwards, just pick up your stuff and leave, right? I start seeing people that look like me becoming an interpretation of that same oppression to feel safe, to have control. But the only place I found control was nature. It was where I could go and scream out loud and it's an empty void and it's also full and everything felt it. And I became a part of everything. It's where I could cry, it's where I could laugh, it's where I could process what's happening here on a human level and how to approach people because we're all a little bit sick in my community. So I approach everyone. Yeah, let me jump in to say like, you're a process person. This is what part of your practitioning message is first and foremost, like relationships, and process. And then I'm also curious, though, about where you are right now, and what you're talking about, your kind of personal story where you came from wherever you were to where you are now. Yeah, through the nature but, engagement, because well, you're a leader I, I, in I, Minneapolis, you just had this meeting today where you secured this uh, food policy with for the whole city. And you know, got various things going on, you're a leader, but you weren't for a long time, probably. You had to get well, yeah, I mean, I, I found, you know, I didn't name myself that. I think people have given me that title as a community leader or like a food champion. And with the help of all these people on the Homegrown Food Council here in the city of Minneapolis, I've been able to grow and learn a lot more about what's happening to me and what's happening in our food systems. I can your, your experience of healing in the garden in nature where you can yell and cry and laugh. And shared that with the youth that you're working with today is that I'm know, trying to share that with my entire environment. Anyone who is willing, I'm here for. And everyone is invited here. I think I found that level of uh humility and like just a passion for what I do um in my in during despair. You know, I don't want kids growing up experiencing anything I have. I don't want uh, to pass my trauma on and have be stuck in this idea that I'm lesser than. But what I want to do is enjoy myself as I am. And I share it with everyone. And it just so happened that my environment has seen and absorbed and accepted that for what it is. It's like, it's okay for there to be people that thinks that I'm not human. But the idea of reconciliation is, is where I, I am because I've had this conversation this week. This is great. And we're going to have more of this conversation because I don't know how to explain how to reconcile 
I don't need reconciliation when it comes to the historic narrative. What I need now is the ability to spend the rest of my life enjoying and producing and creating my own healthy environment. And that will impact everyone around me and give them the same opportunity if I can actually stay focused and not be distracted by, you know, the trauma of it all. And it's here. All I can do is hold people and we cry together and talk and laugh together and be present. Not present for a reason, for money or some kind of expertise, but just because we're being. And I've been trying to figure out how to approach this idea of reconciliation because I don't really feel like any, you know, body is like currently responsible for, I don't think it's a one person or one kind of people responsible for some of the trauma inflicted on black people in this country presently. I think it used, it, the historic narrative is this is what it was. And uh, we're living in a system designed to uphold that history. And um, everything I'm doing is fighting that narrative and trying to be honest, look the people upholding that 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 history and hiding behind, you know, like their false sense of superiority. I want to be able to name the impact of it on me and move on. I don't want, I don't hate, I don't have the ability to hate anybody. I think that's too heavy of a thing to bear for anyone. Um, but it's so deeply rooted in my culture that I I really, you know, I really um, you know, I I I really um, you know, I'm sympathetic to like black people in this country and everything I'm doing is to hold them high and try to lift the spirit. And that the land is giving me the tools and the ability to do that. And every time I see their faces, I see God, I see whatever, you know, thing you worship, I see. And nature has given me the ability to understand what that looks like. And uh, I am learning constantly, you know, especially from younger people. Where This intergenerational thing is, is actually the best form of education I can ever imagine. So I, I when you said uh, reconciliation, just kind of like awoken, it, 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 it woke up that conversation I had recently. Um, and I told these people, I don't know what they, they were like, well, what does reconciliation, how do we get, how do we start over and get back? And it's like, can you? Um, or how do we move forward together? How do we move forward? That's the thing now. We don't want to move sideways and backwards. Gardening really, uh, I'm gonna interrupt Marcus also because we wanna off invite people to Q&A. Yeah. Uh, so if, you, if you'd like to ask a question, maybe let us know in the chat. I love, I love, I just wanna say, I really love the narrative of uh, reconciliation uh, and your experience through all your practices because I think there is something there of substance and the truth that really needs to be heard. And I don't think is a, you know, just a Jewish thing. I think it's a human thing. I think that's your study. I think Absolutely. I really appreciate that about you. I can't wait to talk to you more. Thank yeah. You.